just because of what's coming. I do want to share this dream with you that kind of ties in a little bit of what I said. So um, um, won't be long tonight, but I just want to kind of stress a major point in regards to what I shared this past weekend. And um, I won't mention the young child's name. Uh, sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. You have to be very, very careful now in these days um, what you say and um, different things like that. And so, you know, sometimes it's necessary to share the, the name, sometimes it's not. But, uh, but this young child is the child of one of the parents here. And, um, and, you know, the child is always, you know, dead accurate when it comes to stuff. There are some things that the Lord will give to a child um, so that you can, <laughs> it's so funny. You know, you know how a lot of times we don't take children seriously? And the kingdom is the opposite. Sometimes they'll give the more serious things to a child so that you will take it seriously, knowing that no adult came up with this. You understand what I'm saying? And so, uh, so that's very, very important. So usually, typically, Lord, what the Lord gives to this child is, is always deadly accurate and is always just pay attention. And so there is a, um, um, I'll read the dream and um, give you the possible interpretation. It's very simple. I had a dream that we were at church on election day. Joe Biden was there too, and Joe Biden got elected as president. When I walked up to him and asked him, are you the president? He said, yes, sorry. Then we went home and watched the news, and he said that he was going to, or that he was flooding Georgia. So we started packing stuff. Then we went on a boat, and Georgia flooded. And then he mentions um, four other children's names that represent two other parents here, two other sets of parents. So it's him and his parents, these, these kids and their parents, and another set of kids and their parents. And so he says, so as a result of all of them, they came with us and we found a place like a beach in a hotel. We stopped there for a while and then we went back on the boat and then I woke up. And so... Uh, before I give you the possible interpretation of the dream, um, um, we are in a, in a time now, you are aware, um, you will not be able to make the correct decision with your eyes or your ears. Um, if the body of Christ does not stay on, stay locked into heaven 24 hours a day, you'll be making wrong decisions. I'm not talking about little small things, but your wrong decisions will be judging things that you see, judging things that you hear. Based on what's going on in the world, we should go right. <laughs> Based on what's going on, we should stop. Based on what's going on, we should go. And it is just so bad out here now that you will not be able to make the correct decision by what you see. Um, the body of Christ uh, will have to be connected to heaven and receive all of her instructions from heaven in order to navigate through this storm. That will be permanent. And so, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I am uh, making some decisions differently in regards to my time. You know, it's, uh, um, as a leader, or just period, compassion can get you. I'm a very compassionate individual. And that just doesn't stop. So I tend to go overboard with things. And so I'm going to stop that now. You know, I have to discipline myself. I need to get over into a huge amount of long hours of prayer to be in the spirit, not only just for my own personal development, but just praying out things as well as I need to be on a frequency to hear from God. 
And so as a result of that, you know, I don't know what the exact time will be is that I probably won't be taking calls from now on after before 12. And I'm not mad at anybody if anybody's called me, but I get calls all the time. That's why I turn my phone off. I am not one of them pastors that answers the phone at 2 o'clock in the morning. If it's that type of emergency, that's called 911. So I get all type of calls and texts from 12 o'clock midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. My phone is automatically programmed to go dead at 10 o'clock. I will see the call sometimes the next morning, but it's automatically set to just dead. Otherwise, I'll never get any rest. Um, and so, so I'm going to be making those changes so that I can start getting back over into laboring in the word and doctrine so that I can be clear. Because uh, it's going to be very difficult to get clear today. If you do your same regular old Bible study and praying, I know that doesn't really apply to a lot of us here. Because a lot of us here at this ministry, we spend a lot of time in prayer. But you have to, you have to stay connected to the vine. You have to stay connected to the heaven. You've got to stay clear and be careful about a lot of gunk, you know. Just find myself not wanting to watch anything on television. And I know what that means. As the Lord said, you got to be very clear nowadays. Um, otherwise, you can make a mistake because the enemy is just working on all fronts. So back to the dream. I believe that the dream is one of several possibilities. Um, it's very interesting how um, um, sometimes dreams are the Lord showing you what could happen if you let up? And this is could be what and or or sometimes the Lord will give a dream because like, you know, um, sometimes the body of Christ likes to do the minimum. And I shouldn't say the body of Christ, that's people. And once we sense the victory is there, we kind of back off. And maybe the victory is won, but maybe there are some other things after that victory that still need to be done and tied up. And so he'll give a dream like that, and then you'll take it serious enough where then you will start and keep on pressing on in prayer. Uh, because it's not a good dream. It's definitely negative. Flood is always judgment. So I don't quite know what the flooding means. And, and don't try to tell me after the service, y'all. Please don't try to tell me. Just let me pray about stuff. You know, but the big thing is, is that he won and that um, he said he was going to flood Georgia. Flooded with what? I don't know. It's not positive. Because the people who were connected to the church all of a sudden had to get on a boat. Now, I will tell you this. The vacation spot and the hotel represents that's good. That's the Lord telling you that. When, because it doesn't mean, how I many you know, it doesn't mean a literal flood is going to come in and flood Georgia. And you're actually going to get on a boat. What it's saying is, is that negative things would happen. But that for the people of God, God would have a good holding place for them. You understand what I'm saying? So typically a hotel or a beach is a place where you just kind of chill to get away from all of the drama. So maybe it's going to be flooded with drama. I don't know. All I know is, is that at this point, I really don't care. I hate to say that that way. I'm just, I'm just so tired of the crap, y'all. I'm just so tired. And I'm really tired of Christians, and I'm tired of trying to convince Christians. It seems like I can convince heathens quicker than I convince Christians. My barber was cutting my hair. He said, what do you think about president? I said, he said, who are you voting for? Normally people don't ask you who you're voting for. You know, I said, well, I'm voting for the T-man. He said, really? He said, no, nah, I figured you was going to do that. <laughs> but he didn't mean it that way. He didn't mean it that way. He said, yeah, I figured that. You know, what, you know what the young man told me? He said, everybody in my family keep trying to get me to hate this man. And he said, 
I just can't figure out why I'm supposed to hate this man. He said, the man ain't done nothing to me. And he said, like everybody, he said, yeah, he talk about people. He said, but he said, but they always attacking him. He said, because his dad plays CNN all day. And he said, he said, I have to listen to that all day. He said, I've never heard them say anything positive about that man. He said, matter of fact, they don't ever say anything about Biden. That's all they do is just talk about the negativity of that man. So I started cranking some things down about why I was voting for him. He was, he was appalled, y'all. He was literally appalled. He said, how come they're not telling no people that? Telling anybody this? He said, well, they're trying to hide it from you. Okay? And so it's been, let me tell you something. God doesn't change folk. And if God told the, the, his people about a bad leader in the Old Testament, did it in the New Testament, he's still doing it today. But just like the children of Israel, they did not like God's answer about Saul because they just wanted Saul so bad that they were blinded at the fact that they were going to put somebody in office that was going to kill them. And God told the prophet, tell him exactly everything that's going to happen, just like his dream. Tell him everything that's going to happen if that king that they want to be in charge gets in charge. And the prophet went to them and said, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. He said, you're going to lose everything and they're going to make your children slaves. They listened to everything that was going to happen. And they knew that that prophet was a prophet of God. And after he finished saying everything, they said, we heard what you said. Give us our king. It's crazy. So, you know, it is a uh, I have watched a little bit of how they have grilled this girl, Amy. I call her Sister Amy. How they have grilled her. That girl is a killer. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Ooh, I don't know if that girl is praying in the spirit behind the scenes or what, but that girl does not flinch. She does not break. And, 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 and I can, let me tell you something. When Satan is involved in something, you can feel it. And when they answer these questions, I can, I can, and, and I mean, I can't explain it, but you can, you can feel that it's demonic. You can feel it's, it's demonic wisdom against one individual that they're scared of. But let me tell you something. Man, some of y'all may not know that, but, but she got to answer them questions, answer them questions all day long, all day long. And when that guy said, he said, normally people that are being grilled, they have books and they have notes and they have this and they have that. He said, you have, I noticed that you have something in front of you. What do you have? She said, it's a sheet of paper. He said, you mind telling us what's on it? She said, yeah, the United States Senate. It was blank. And they could not believe that for two days straight that this girl answered all of those questions based on memory alone and intelligence. The girl is impeccable. And they're trying everything that they can to break that girl. She ain't breakable. So I know that didn't sound right. but So, you know, I'm just encouraging you all to just pray. At this point, um, I'm going to have to go back into the spiritual realm for long hours because at this point, there is so much confusion out there. Um, and yet, I know what the will of the Lord is, but it's so much warfare going on, you don't know what's going to happen. And, um, and we need to make sure that we're constantly getting updates from heaven, you know, you know, because how many of you know, 9-11 happened on a sunshiny day. They still say that that day that those planes hit those Twin Towers in the Pentagon, they said it was the most perfect day you could have ever imagine. It reminds me of what the scripture says. When they say peace and safety, that's when sudden destruction will come. The Bible says, I will come when you least expect it. 
because you'll be enjoying the, the birds and the flowers and the trees and don't know that the sky is getting ready to part. Okay, so, you know, I mean, you know, the best thing you can do is just pray in the spirit and ask the Lord to give you direction and use common sense. And, um, you know, and, and another one of a brother and myself, we were just talking and I was, I was even struggling with that whole, you know, you see so much end of the world stuff in the past and pastors who told their congregation to sell their houses and, and go move on top of the mountain. I'm like, what you selling the house for? Just wait in the house of Jesus coming back tomorrow. What do you need to sell the house for? That's just right there, stupid. I'm not selling my motorcycle. I'm just, since Jesus coming back, I'm going to get one last ride in. You know, I just, I never understood that. That shows you that that's stupid. Jesus is coming back next Tuesday, so we're going to sell our home. And, for what? And then stand on the mountain. Ain't nobody in the scripture says supposed to stand on the mountain and wait for Jesus. It said, just be ready. That's just how I think. So that just shows you it was stupid. But because of all of that stupidity, it makes you feel weird when the real time has come for you to start preparing. You know, the, the back of your mind is like, are you crazy? And I have to settle myself by saying, you know what? What's wrong if I just set aside extra food in the freezer? What's wrong with firearms? What's, you know, what's wrong with setting aside money in a safe and stuff like that? You know, and all of those things. You have to say, what's wrong with that? It's just nothing wrong with that in the natural. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, but, but the enemy is very much working. Um, and because we are praying, he's going to be working against our minds. He can't get much in, but I'm telling you, I know I'm sure I'm, I can guarantee you some of you have been feeling kind of disoriented, like in a in a fog. And but that's the, that's what I, I call the demonic ray gun. We can't get in your house and we can't even get close to you, you know, but we do have weapons of warfare that are not carnal, just like yours are not carnal. And we got ray guns. We're just going to point them at you. Just try to bring about some confusion and get you off track. And so you have to be sensitive with that. You know what I'm saying? And go to bed. That's me preaching to myself. And if you wake up two or three o'clock in the morning, don't just lay there staring at the ceiling, you know, just pray. And, and, and even that can be difficult for some. But let me say something. In a war, you are always frustrated. So don't think you have displeased God because you are frustrated in the midst of war. You, you get frustrated at yourself because you didn't spend the time in the world you wanted to. You get frustrated at yourself because you lost your temper. You get frustrated at yourself because you didn't spend a certain amount of time in prayer. Just keep on going, folk. That's just how war is. You get frustrated because you shot and you still haven't found out where this sniper is hiding. And you just got to keep on moving day by day and moment by moment and, and realizing that this ministry, as, as well as a few others, are uh, just on the front line. Just on the front line. I know, I know by a witness by the Holy Ghost on the inside, I know that we have accomplished much in the spirit. All of this praying that we're doing every single day, praying that we're doing every single day, I know we have accomplished a whole lot. But it doesn't mean it's enough. Remember what I told you all in the beginning? I said, I just want to make sure that this church goes down on record as the ones who took a stand and did the best that we can. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but if you're like me, you have moments of exhilaration. You have moments of faith. You have moments of fear. You have moments of, it's just weird. So, and when those are the feelings before things. Yeah, I mean, and they're bracing. You know, I don't know if our prayers covered Georgia. When it comes to riots, I don't know if it covered more. I don't know. All we can do is just put in our best effort and wait. You know, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe it'll all break loose. I don't know. All I know is, y'all, we got the victory.
whether we live or die, we got the victory. Whether we get a new house or lose our house, whether we get a new car, get our car, it doesn't matter. You had a victory, and that's and it's so easy to lose sight of that. That no matter what, one day we will be in heaven and we'll live forever. Simple, and talk about this stuff. So, so, but I do know that in this period of time, it'll be very important for you to be focused, so that you can create a highway in the midst of the mayhem, or to create a a river in the midst of the desert. So I'll put up this graphic just to remind you we talked about the supernatural. Thank you, O oh Lord God. Oh, so we talked about the supernatural and that this definition of supernatural is of a higher grade or quality, very large or powerful, or exhibiting the characteristics of its type to an extreme or excessive degree. So you have a regular man, but then you have Superman. And, and so Superman was a man who lived on a different level of nature. That was not abnormal to him. His powers did not turn off, like Devon said. Superman's powers did not turn off when he became Clark Kent. He was just had to hide what he could naturally do. Okay, And so that's what it means by you have a natural man, then you have a Superman of a higher grade or quality. You have a natural man, but then you have another man that's very large or very powerful. You have a natural man, but then you have a superman that exhibits all the characteristics of the natural man. But he's an extreme man because of his strength. He's an extreme man. He's excessive degree because he can fly. Okay? So we've been talking about how the supernatural is really not supernatural at all. It's just natural. You have natural, and then you have supernatural. It's still natural. It's just nature on a higher level. And so you see this, and that's why in the Bible it never talks about supernatural. It just talks about everything like it's normal. In 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4, King James, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. So it is your knowledge of God that grace, which is power, and peace will be multiplied unto you, not you going to church. It doesn't say grace and peace be multiplied unto you based on your church services. Based on your pastor preaching or your grandmother doing Bible studies with you, even though those may be a benefit, it says grace and peace will be multiplied, not added, multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has already given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, here's what we call the supernatural right here, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature so that you can escape the corruption that is in the world, which is a lower form of nature. So really it's just a, what we call the supernatural it's just really a lower form of nature and a higher form of nature. And right here, it says that we've given you promises and Jesus died and he did all of the things and we're going to give you powers and we're going to promise you certain things so that you can be a partaker of the supernatural or the, what we call the divine nature. Because I mean, all the divine nature is definitely super. Okay. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay. So all that whole Bible exists for one reason. So that you can leave this world and become a part of that one while you're still in this world. 
Because they because the whole Bible exists. So that you can, how many of you know when you part, you have a sweet potato pie? And if we're both eating out the same pie, I have become a partaker of the same pie that you are eating. Y'all got me. So it says that we did these promises so that you can be a partaker of what exists in heaven so that that lower natural world that you live in that has limitations, that won't apply to you. Okay? And when you do that, these are three things that have happened. told you that. It's a very simple lesson, but it'll be very impactful. Deuteronomy chapter 29, 2 through 5. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said unto them, You have seen with your own eyes everything the Lord did in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to his whole country. These are the three things. All the great test of strength, the miraculous signs, and the amazing wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you minds that understand, nor eyes that see, nor ears that hear. For 40 years I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and sandals didn't wear out. (laughs) You know what he's saying? You dummies couldn't even see that. I want you to think about that. You wearing the same clothes and wearing the same sandals for 40 years. And the Bible says that when they died, they either were killed because they did disobedience. It says it wasn't one feeble one amongst them. They did not die out of sickness and disease. 40 years traveling around and see let me tell you something that's the promise of disobedience disobedience cause your (laughs) you understand what I'm saying that's how God covered them in their disobedience and because of that disobedience it clouded their judgment and they couldn't even and see this is what I mean by what we call the supernatural it's always on it's always on. It was on to such a degree that while they walked around for 40 years, they didn't know that that higher level of nature was, was putting in check the lower level of nature so that none of them would die of sickness and they would never get uh, mess up their clothes. I mean, you know, you're walking around the desert for 40 years in some sandals. Spend $100 for some Nikes and they tear up after two months at the gym. But there's three things there. He said, great test of strength miraculous signs, and amazing wonders. Those are the three things that's supposed to be in the life of a Christian. Great test of strength, miraculous signs, and amazing wonders. I may teach a little bit more detail on that next Wednesday. I didn't get permission from a couple of people to share their testimonies, so I'll wait on that. But great test of strength, I will mention that. Great test of strength are you complaining about the very thing that you're supposed to overcome. Scripture says God will never let you be in something that you're not strong enough to endure. And it says when it comes to temptation, he said, well, with, with the temptation, he'll give you a door of escape. Let me tell you something. You know, a lot of people say, man, it's obvious that you're a fearless man. But I'll tell you when that happened. I became a fearless man when I realized that God, even if it's my mistake, God will never allow me to get in a situation that I can't actually get out of with my faith. So it doesn't matter if I found out I had some incurable disease or if, you know, something happened and, you know, I lost my job or, you know, whatever it is. When I got that revelation that, you know how I got the revelation? Do y'all remember when Abraham, you know, his wife was so fine that when they went to another city, he said, look, you are so fine, they're going to kill me and take you. So I need you to lie and say that you are my sister. And so, you know, she went along with the lie. And, and sure enough, it says that when they went into the town, that the princes of the king said, Woo, we 
Hey, look at this right here. The king got to see what just walked into the city today. That's how they did it. Says the king, he grabbed up there. <laughs> so it said the king went and got her. And you remember, um, uh, you remember uh, the king brought her into the house and then the Lord came to him in a dream and said, started out by saying, you a dead man. And see, I keep reading these religious movies. You are a that's mafia. You a dead man. You have taken another man's wife. Listen, and the king said, but Lord, I didn't know. He said, the man told me that she was his sister. And then listen to what God said. He said, I know you didn't know. That's why I prevented you from having sex with her. See, so because if God had allowed that king to do, because remember what God said, return the man his wife or expect your whole household to drop. That would have been too much for the king. So even though it was his mistake, God withheld him, even though it was Abraham's mistake, God withheld the king from sleeping with the girl um, because he would have lost everything. Okay? And so there, and when I read that, I realized that God will never let you be in a situation that you actually can't get out of, even if it's your mistake. You will be surprised what the Lord kept you from while you were acting a fool. Yeah, you were going to the club, but you have no idea how many shootouts he kept out the club so that you wouldn't drop. You were going to the club, but you don't know how many times somebody was going to drug your drink and take you home. You understand? And get carjacked and car, uh, uh, kidnapped. And you have no idea how much God kept you. The same way they didn't know that when they were walking around in disobedience for 40 years, that there was a power that was ever present that would not let their clothes get old. That is amazing. So when I tell you, and that's the Old Testament, and they weren't even sons. So when I tell you God has kept you more than you will ever know, you'll see that when you get to the other side. And they say, yeah, why you were complaining about this is because we were keeping you from that. The reason we didn't promote you for five years is this because if we had promoted you, you would have lost your job. So we did a lot of stuff to let you keep your job. So... Never mind. I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to blow your mind when you see, and you have to see how they cover people in the Bible to see, man, if they cover, that blows me away. They were disobedient, and he covered them like that. They were disobedient, and he made water come out of a rock. They were disobedient, and he just made wind blow and bring in a bunch of quail. That said, I think the Bible says the quail were like three feet high. They were disobedient, and he rained heavenly food from manna. That's one of the reasons why they didn't die from sickness. They were eating food from heaven. And the food from heaven can heal you in anything. The Bible says that the leaves of the, just the leaves of the trees are for healing. So what is the food for? And they were eating this every single day and didn't know that that was God. And watch this. Complained about what they were eating and didn't realize what they were eating was keeping them healed. Because they wanted something new. You got to be careful what you can put. That's why the Bible says it doesn't say for all things. It said in all things. Give thanks. Why? You complaining based on what it looks like. You complaining based on what it feels like. And you're complaining based on what it sounds like. But if you could see what we could see was coming and how quick it would turn around, you would give God thanks even though you got in a car accident or just thank God that your life is saved. We can get you another car. Y'all know what I'm saying. 
All right. So, so, so those are the three things. So we'll probably hit on that maybe next Wednesday. So I just want to make this last point by just showing you these quick three stories in regards to we talked about writing things down and every detail. And some of us have done that before. And then you got off track. The reason why I didn't manifest mostly is because you got off track. So I want to show you just three stories. And these stories are not written for your enjoyment. These stories are written for your rebuke. And these are three stories where the Lord is getting ready to show you if these wicked people got tried to stop somebody. Let's just read the story. Never mind. Luke 11, 5. Then teaching them more about prayer. Thank you, Angie and Jerry. They prayed for me. I feel like the Holy Ghost this evening. They chased me down to pray for me, boy. They was like, yeah, this brother needs some help this evening. <laughs> then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend. Now, remember, this is Jesus teaching you how to hold on. He's teaching you how to focus. He's teaching you how to be. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom. He don't even get him out answer the door. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. That's the moral of the story. Y'all need to learn how to have shameless persistence. God already told you yes, but you too ashamed to ask because you think it's too big. You're thinking about your mistakes and what you don't have and, and all that. And you didn't pray enough and, and you didn't spend enough time in the word and, and all of that type of stuff. And how many of you know, your kid can act like boo-boo the fool. And if they press you enough, you're going to give them that popsicle. What do you do? Fine. Why? Because the child won't let up. So that's story number one. The man went over there at midnight. He didn't even have his own food. And, and this was, the Bible says it was his friend. And his friend didn't want to get up. He said, man, I'm in bed, man. <laughs> and, 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 and listen to what happened. The guy had no respect for the answer because it wasn't the answer that he liked. <laughs> I understand that you're in bed and I know your family is sleeping and everything. Y'all need to get rest before the cock-a-doodle-doo happens in the morning. You can get out there in the field and work and everything. But, but, but from my point of view, that ain't got nothing to do with the food that I need. And, and, and if I can get rid of my embarrassment of coming over here at 12 o'clock at midnight, if I can get over my embarrassment that you are in the bed, and if I can get over the fact that I'm inconvenienced you and I can stand here long enough, it'll force you to get up and do what I want to be done because I'm not going to take no for an answer. Next one. This is what Jesus wanted you to know. He told this story to show you how to engage. Luke 18, 1 through 8. One day, Jesus told the disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city. When it says certain city, this is a true story. When you see the word certain, it means it was a true story. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, 
who neither feared God nor cared about people. So this is a heathen. He, don't, he does not care about God and he does not care about people. We're trying to figure out how did he become a judge. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. See, what happens is when you get ignored, that's when you jump off the train. Because you always be ignored for a while. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I am going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said this. Now learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even this fool rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Which means you're going to be put off in the beginning. To see, will you obey this scripture to persist and not give up? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on earth who truly have faith? Because if you truly believe, you're going to keep on chasing and you're going to keep on asking. And you're going to keep on looking and you're going to keep on seeking and you're going to keep on knocking. But if you don't believe, well, you know, we just go ahead and try another way. It must not be for us. So that was the second he wanted you to hear. Notice both stories have to do with somebody who needed something and the person who gave it to him didn't care nothing about their situation. But it matter didn't care. What he's telling you is persistence will change anything. And then in both cases, he said, now, those were two fools. And yet you won't persist with me. And he just told you that there are some things you're going to ask for, and he's going to put it off. He just, it says, will he keep putting them off? God knows where your breaking point is. You don't. Last one. Matthew chapter 15. This one is terrible. Verse 21. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading. Now, let me, let me give you the backdrop to this story. There was a racial injustice and racism is nothing new. It's actually within all cultures. Okay, you always hear about the black and white here, but that's technically new. You go over over in the continent of Africa, all of the different factions within Africa, India against Pakistan, don't you dare call the Chinese man Japanese, Albanians against the Croatians, Puerto Ricans against the Mexicans. It's just going, and then within those groups, you got whites in the suburbs, and then they call the other ones poor white trash. You know, then you have uppity Negroes, and I don't know what they call the ones who live in the ghetto. You know what I'm saying? Every culture has that type of situation, you know. It's just, it's just the spirit of division, you know what I'm saying? I can't believe I said that, but, you know, I mean, it just constantly changed. What was I saying then? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so back then, that was a real situation where the Jews, if you were not a Jew, they wouldn't be stuck in the same room with you. Many of the miracles, did you ever notice how many miracles Jesus performed on Gentile folk and not Jewish people? That's what made the Pharisees so mad. Y'all remember the woman that came up behind Jesus uh, with the issue of blood? 
Yeah, she was totally out of order for doing that. And so, do you remember, do you remember when um, uh, the Bible says that Jesus, after a long journey with the disciples, he was by that well? Everybody need to read their Bible so you can keep up with the stories that I don't read in the service. But he was by that well, and it says the disciples went into town to get something to eat. And there was a Gentile woman that came, had a discussion with Jesus. And, and, um, and when the disciples came back, they were like, what you doing talking to her for? You ain't, ain't no Jew supposed to be talking to no Samaritan individual like that. So this is a, this is a big caste system back there where, you know, y'all understand what I'm saying. That's the reason why in the book of Acts, was it Paul or was it Peter that got caught up in racism for a moment? Peter, yeah. Peter, you know, he got, he really didn't caught up in it, but he was scared to take a stand. And other disciples put him in jack. So that was really big back then. So when, so, so when Jesus died, he was saying that the Gentiles are no longer unclean. So you remember when Peter was on the rooftop and all of those animals dropped down? And the Lord said, kill and eat those animals. He said, uh-uh. He said, I can't eat any animal that you said is unclean. He said, what I have cleansed no longer call unclean. He was saying that, understand that y'all were the chosen ones, but not anymore. Now everybody is a Jew. Okay, that's what he was saying. So a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Now, don't you think that Jesus should help this lady out? Don't you think he should have compassion on this woman? And especially on a child. Jesus didn't even answer the woman. How many of you know that's rude? Not even a word. I want you to imagine this. Jesus is walking, and this woman's like, Lord, please help me. Lord, please help me. My daughter is demon-possessed. And Jesus is acting like she ain't even there. What I'm trying to teach you is, is that when Jesus had a purpose, he stuck to it. He didn't, one of the reasons why Jesus could so easily manifest the natural power of the kingdom of heaven, he didn't get caught up in other things. He stayed focused. And that's what all three of these pastors are teaching you. Focus. I know the answer was no. Come back on Monday. I know the answer was no. Come back on Tuesday. You're doing all these algorithms and looking up side stuff and seeing who. Come back on Wednesday. Come back on Thursday. Come back on. Knowing that sometimes, for whatever reason, the Lord put it off a little bit. So that's why you keep on giving God thanks. Father, I thank you. This is coming. But in the meantime, Satan will tell you, no, it's not. The reason why it's taking so long is because of your sins. The reason why it's taking so long is because you didn't give correctly. The reason it's taking so long is because you didn't pray enough. The reason you didn't, it's taking so long is because you missed church last Sunday. When all of this stuff was written before church. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, never mind. Read verse 23. He gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, man, because now she's bothering us with all her begging. So what she is, well, she went to Jesus, and when he didn't even answer her, she said, fine, and I'll go to your disciples. They probably can do it. But then it was like, man, this woman is crazy, Jesus. Can you go ahead and do this for her? And then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. So now it lets you know why he didn't answer her, because he kept his focus with the command. God told me to focus on the Jewish people. You not Jewish. So I don't care what the situation is. I'm not going to break what my heavenly father told me to focus on you. Because I'm supposed to be focused on Jewish people. 
That's how clear he was with his commands. Not us. We get a command. What are we doing? I think I'll just peruse over here, see what the spirit is saying over here at this other church. I was only sent to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. So this is, this is no two times now. How many know? No, when Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. When you're religious thinking, when Jesus says no, nobody can say yes. Apparently not. Jesus is telling you this story because he wants you to get this. She came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Now you're disrespectful. (laughs) See, these are the type of crazy negative things that are hurled at you when you're trying to press in and stay in faith for God to do what he already promised. That's the reason that's written there. Now, this is not coming from Jesus, but in this particular case, it was because he wanted you to see that whenever you press in like this, you may think it's extreme, but it's not. But you're going to have to press and hold your ground and just stay there because you might get put off a little bit. And while you get put off a little bit, during that time you're being put off, there's some insults that are going to come towards you. There's going to be some things that you're going to hear in your mind or happen in the outside that's going to swear up and down. You're going to swear up and down as God telling you to back off. It's not right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. So, and so at this point, Jesus is like, okay, I get this. I get this now. You're not going to stop. And in the kingdom, that's a law. If you don't stop, we must change. Dear woman, Jesus said, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Why is that in there? Because the Lord knew that we were going to live way beneath our privileges. Jesus has not died yet. This woman is not Jewish. She is not saved. She is not born again. And Jesus told her no three times. And she didn't break. Because that's the law of faith. It will force God to change. And I know that sounds Very, very sacrilegious to some of y'all. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. I'm reading this in the Bible. Because how many know Jesus said, I'll only do and say what my father tells me to do. So when he said no three times, that was coming straight from the ancient of days. And I want you to think about that. Where a woman won't give up and it breaks the ancient of days. The one on the throne said, well... Guess we have to change our will concerning this one. This was not supposed to happen until after Jesus died. But since you won't let go, we're going to have to go into the future and give you a blessing on credit. Simply say nothing about no supernatural. Did y'all read anything about the supernatural? You know, you're not, when these people get these answers, do you see anything about the supernatural? No, the only thing you see is, is that y'all live in a natural kingdom down there. And we live in a natural kingdom up here. And so it's natural. But the laws up here are a little bit different. Up here, there are no limitations. And if you ever get that in your mind, they won't break. And see, this is the deep part. She wasn't saved, wasn't born again, wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost, wasn't Jewish. And Jesus told her no three times. 
Yet you read in the Bible all of the promises of God are yes and amen before you ask and you can't hold on for a day. Because when we all stand, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take a make up for lost time. When we stand before the Lord, we're going to be so embarrassed. Like, Lord, can you send me back? No, the whole planet is destroyed. We can't send you back. Because in order to do that, you have to do it alone. Because most people are not going to do that. I think this church can do it. But most people are not going to do it because they just can't deal with the discipline. And the discipline is not even that hard. It just means focus. And no matter what you hear and no matter what you do and no matter what you see and no matter what they tell you, just keep the same focus and daydream and thank God about it coming to pass every single day, even if it's three months later. Because maybe it's taken three months because they want to teach you longevity so that when you get that thing, you'll know how to stand for six months for this huge thing you're going to ask God for in the future. See, but again, (laughs) I don't know why this um, story just popped up. I might have the story off a little bit, but it's in this vicinity. Kenneth Hagin Sr. was getting ready to get a spot of land. And um, in order for him to build on this land, the land had to be tested to prove that it was non-toxic. So they had some people who came out and they tested the land. They said, you can't do anything on this land. You can't do anything on this land because it's just too toxic. That night, Kenneth Hagin, I don't know if it was that night or a couple nights later, I believe it was that night he had a dream. And in the dream, he was standing on the land. And he said... You, you, you know how when you uh, barbecue and you can see the heat and when you look through the heat, it makes things look wavy. He said he was standing on the land and that's what it looked like. And he said it was obvious that something was coming out of the ground. Um, and it was just coming out of the ground. It looked like gas. And so that was it. That was a dream. So he called the people to come back out. Can y'all test this land again? They said, we already tested the land. For my benefit, I'll pay. Come test the land. They came to test the land. said the land is flawless. Maybe it was something wrong with our machines or something. But they said you can build here. But see, you would never believe that God can make a land become untoxic in one day. You'd rather go through the process of hiring a whole company and coming out there and pulling up all of the dirt, scraping the bottom and spending $100,000 to build this type of stuff. And what you do is, let me tell you something. When you do your focus, it's either manifested or an instruction comes. Because again, it makes no sense that a man can just line up cows. You know, Jacob, all he did was take pieces of a tree and weave it a particular way, set it in front of the cows. And when the cows had children, they had children in the same design of the trees that they were looking at. Where are you going to get this at in school? You know what I'm saying? And that was a God idea so he could take all of the man's cattle from him. You better start reading the Bible differently. So now, last scripture. So in all three cases, the Lord shows you people who were told no, but the person who had the desire kept persisting in spite of the answer. No. No, coming back. Y'all, let me tell you something. Before I read this last scripture. I don't think we understand just how much confidence God has in us 
when he puts a story in the Bible about someone that he told no three times and he changed his mind. And he told them no. Now he told you yes. But he told her no. So he told her no and she got the answer. And he tells you yes before you ask and you're not supposed to get the answer? So it's a lot of stuff that we have missed out on. And guess what? This will be of utmost importance in the last days. You need to create your own dimension within its dimension that's getting ready to be crazy. You need to create your own weather in the midst of the storm. You need to create your own peace in the midst of confusion and your own prosperity in the midst of this mess that's going on out here. And the reason you're going to be able to do that is you're going to have to have a vision and stick to it and declare and pray. And this is what I believe. And this is what I receive. Bam. And watch this. If you forgot to do it for two to three days, just go back on the fourth day and pick it right back up again. Because that has nothing to do with how many days you missed. You miss two or three days and then you give it up forever. So now you understand Habakkuk chapter 2, 2 verse 2 through 3. Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain, bone tells, that he may run that readeth it, that word make it plain, make it detailed upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Why? We may hold back a little bit to see if you're going to persist. But at the end, it'll speak and it will not lie. Why do you say that? The vision will be what you wrote down. You'll be living in what you put on paper. You'll be driving what you expected. You put down a minivan and they, I'm talking about, you, you put down a sports car and they're going to bless you with a minivan. That's a lie. That vision ain't speaking. You know what I'm saying? But some people, they just ask God for a car. They won't be specific. They won't be specific because they don't believe God wants them to have a car. Let me tell you this, though. Anything that you ask God for, you need to be in a position to keep it. So what you're asking God for, can you afford the insurance? You're asking God for a Rolls Royce, but did you know that the, the, the maintenance, when you take it in for that $3,000 tune-up, might cost $3,000. You understand? Okay, so, so, so he said, wait for it. I like that term. He said, it'll speak, it won't lie. Though, it's, though it tarried around for a while, wait for it, because it'll surely come. It will not tarry. So you want to make sure that the things that you're asking for, that when you get it, you can handle it and you can maintain it. Call friends of ours, they're multimillionaires. And they live in a mansion, and um, I think in Florida. And, uh, and their next door neighbor, he was also, you know, everybody's a multimillionaire in that neighborhood. He's all business owners and different things like that. And they said this couple pulled up in a car. And they said it really was smoking and everything. And they pulled up to this guy's house that lived next door to them, and he knocked on the door. Can I help you? Yes. The Lord told us that you're supposed to give us your house. Uh, you know, see, um, what's that movie with uh, Chris Tucker and the Chinese guy? Um, when he said, what did you just say? He put another word in there. We don't need to talk about that. He said, what? And, and so they said, Lord told us that you're supposed to give us your house. So they found this out because after they left, he, he knew that they were Christians. So he walked right across the grass, knocked on their door. What's going on? Can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. You're all Christians, right? Yeah. Um, is this normal? 
He said, I just had this couple come over here and they knocked on my door and said, the Lord told me to give them my house. And it was several things going through his head. He couldn't figure out why he had worked hard all of his life to get that house. And he was just supposed to give it to somebody that it's obvious in what they drove in. They couldn't afford. He said, I'm pretty sure he said they couldn't just afford the taxes on this house or the light bill. You know, or the, you know what I'm saying? And so he tried to figure out, why would God tell me to give them that? So they basically tried to tell him, you know, well, you know, people just overreaching. They can be a little crazy or something like that. Next week, he had a whole fence around his property. So I just shared that lesson. Don't act crazy. Okay? Sometimes you do need to start small and just focus on getting out of debt and putting that down. And if you need a car, you need a job, you need a raise, whatever. Okay, you, you own a business, you want a certain amount of income. You have a home and you want to sell it. And you sell it and you want another home to sell. You, you start there. Start with writing down what type of home that you want. Well, remember, you know, you, you, you need to be able to do this in such a way where you can maintain what the Lord gives you. Because you could be asking God for a rocket ship and you can't afford the jet fuel to get out the planet. And if you got out the planet, then you're going to die because you didn't know that you need air. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm being a little comical and everything. You're trying to land on the moon. You don't know what it takes to land on the moon. Okay, so just worry about landing a new job. So y'all get that point. It's very, very simple. It's not supernatural. It's simple. We live down here on a natural reality. They live up there on a higher level of natural reality. It is not abnormal. It is not supernatural. It is natural. Well, when you become born again, you're now attached to that kingdom on a higher level of natural things that we call supernatural. It's still natural. It's just super. And so because you are members of that supernatural realm, Anything that you write down, focus on, ask for, believe you receive, constantly give thanks for, and won't give up, it'll be given. Amen. Period. Because we already told you yes. And if we told that woman no and she got it, then we're trying to figure out why you won't persist. Like, Because see, every single one, Jesus said, I'm teaching you how to persist. I'm teaching you how to pray. You know, with the Luke chapter 18, he gives the story of the unjust judge and the widow woman. And he said, therefore, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking and it shall be given. In other words, continue to the end. In the world, they're doing this stuff. They call them vision boards or the law of attraction. And uh, but not but and I'll say this last point and then we're done. The advantage that the world has over you is that their God is not fighting them. You understand that statement? The Bible says that Satan is the Lord, case G, God of this world. So anybody that is not a Christian, Satan is their God. Whether they know it or not, whether they accept it or not, and whether they believe it or not, Satan is their God. So the benefit that worldly people have, the benefit of being a sinner is that your king won't fight against you when you try to prosper. But the benefit that we have is, is that we can show that we're stronger than worldly folk because we can still prosper regardless to their king fighting against us. Understand what I'm saying? This is why false religions don't have the problems that Christianity has. 
people always want to talk about what well, the Muslims don't do this and 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 how our Christians don't do this and and the Buddhists don't do this. Yeah, uh, because their God is not fighting against them. So the reason why there's no strife at the Buddhist temple and there's no strife at the Muslim temple and there's no strife with the Hare Krishnas is because um, their gods are fighting against us and intermingling. The reason why, ain't no second, third Muslim temple on, on, on Hope Street, you know what I'm saying? Only in Christianity. Why? Because that's where the unclean spirits are working full time to try to create separation different times. So it's funny, he, he keeps the false religion looking pure and simple and clean and beautiful and focus all of their time warfaring against us. So guess what? A new person joins the church, they're not mature yet. So of course they're going to act crazy and cuss and they're going to do this and they're going to do all of those different type of things. It's funny, when you look at politics, the things that they say against Christianity, they'll never say against the Muslims or the Buddhists or the Hare Krishnas. They have no problem attacking this woman's faith. But if she was Muslim, they wouldn't say a word. See? So we are the only ones that are fighting against the invisible army. And, and that's the reason why all religions have a good amount of truth in it. The only difference is all the other religions reject Jesus. All of them. The other thing is about, I don't know why I'm saying this, there's other thing about other religions. They never fight each other. They all fight Christianity. Well, I can do this all day. I just really, I'm ready to go home. I got some place I got to go tomorrow. And I want to get some rest. I don't know why I said that, but it's true. <laughs> but you, there, there are patterns there. When the last time you see Muslims fighting against Buddhists or, or you fighting against each other? You know, no. They all collectively fight against us. Collectively. They got a problem with us. Could it be that they fight against us because we are the truth? Could it be that they all fight against us because God, Satan just set up one kingdom? Could it be that when we say Baptist, how do you know? Jesus. If, if you're born a Catholic, how do you know you're in the kingdom? If you're Baptist and you believe in Jesus, you're in the kingdom. Methodist, you're in the kingdom. Church of God of Christ, you're in the kingdom. Word of faith, charismatics, you're in the kingdom. I don't know what we are, but we're in the kingdom too. We're something more than this. You know, all of them in the kingdom, right? So when you see, oh Jesus, I hope you're ready for this. So when you see the Muslim faith, right? Um, the Buddhist faith is just a denomination of the Muslim faith. Are you following me? Here, Krishna is just another denomination because it's all one Satan's kingdom. Y'all following me? <clears throat> it's, a, it's deep, the deception. And unfortunately, a lot of the body of Christ is following that deception. But how many know we're not going to be deceived? Okay, we're going to keep our eyes open, walk in humility. And I'm really, really excited because I don't know what the church is going to do. Because as they, they, they're trying to re-engage a little bit, but the next little thing that happens, they're going to disengage again. We're getting ready to go full bore. I'm really excited. So you're getting ready to see a lot of great things. I pretty much have this thing in a place, I just need to make one phone call, and then we're going to release all of the evangelists and everything else and just let this thing run wild. Amen. It's going to be wonderful. Let's go ahead and stand.